Welcome back to the Spirits Guy Podcast. I am Rich, your guide through the intoxicating world of spirits, books, movies, music, and anything else I feel connects us as humans. I am back. I literally got back from Louisville last night. So this is going to come across maybe as frenetic and, and nonsensical, but I had to sit down and get something out. What... What a magical, magical time. <sighs> yeah, uh, Kentucky is is amazing. You just heard a little cork pop there because, you know, I was down in the heart of bourbon country and I brought back, uh, I don't know if that microphone will pick up that pour, but I brought back a whole bunch of bourbon and that's probably what we're going to do for the next couple weeks is just taste through all the stuff. Uh, that I brought back. Uh, uh, Corey is going to come do an episode with me. We're going to taste through some stuff with Corey. Um, you know, and most of this stuff I haven't tried. I just bought because, you know, when you're there, you see so much bourbon on the shelf. I mean, yeah, you see some of the, the critics' darlings that you hear about, but then there were so many other brands that I had never heard of. Some of them, I don't know how they justify the price points on, uh, but a lot of really interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, I think I spent, I think the tally was, ended up being right around 600 uh, for about 13, 750 mLs, a couple of half bottles. Uh, some interesting nips. So really, I mean, people pay more than 600 for one bottle of mediocre bourbon. I would rather pay $600 and get 15 bottles of mediocre bourbon. Uh, that is just interesting and different. And I can't wait to dig into some. Some of them I did get to taste down there, and that's why I purchased them. Um, but yeah, just kind of going through and... I think before I even get into it, I'll kind of break down the whole trip from the beginning. Um, and again, like none of this is sort of like braggadocious. This is just sort of me telling you the story of my experience. And hopefully it influences you to have similar experiences. Uh, and hopefully you can take away some some little pieces of advice on this as well for your own experience. Um, first and foremost, I cannot recommend going to Kentucky enough. Um, people ask, like, where should I stay? You know, and we think of, you know, I, I went down and my friend Peter and his wife joined us, myself and my girlfriend down there. Um, so while I was sort of there for company business, uh, I also made it a, a enjoyable experience beyond what I was there to do for company business. Uh, it was nice to have some other people. I wish more of you could have joined us. Uh, I got some messages from some of you guys uh, while I was down there uh, who were following along on Facebook and Instagram, you know, saying like, hey, next time you do this, I'm definitely in. It looks awesome. Um, we think of like Louisville as like the home of bourbon. And it really isn't. There's a lot of great bourbon in Louisville. But all the great distilleries are outside of Louisville. Louisville is kind of like, I mean, if you're from the area and you think of in terms of like Boston is where everybody thinks of in Massachusetts, but all the, the great distilleries would be in like 
the Brookfields and Spencer in hours away in the country. That being said, I recommend staying as close to Louisville in Louisville if possible uh, for a bunch of reasons. One, the drive out, you know, when we went out to Luxro, when we drove out to uh, Limestone Branch, we drove out to um, Maker's Mark, which is maybe the most remote place on earth. You know, they're about an hour and a half drive. Um, and Louisville is a big functioning city. And once you get outside the city, it, it's just beautiful landscape. So like the drive out there is beautiful and peaceful and that makes it all worth it. But then when you are done doing the distillery stuff during the day and you get back into Louisville, there's so many great things to do in downtown Louisville. Um, so much great food. There's great art. Uh, there's distillery experiences in downtown Louisville, um, whether it's Peerless. Uh, from the last time I was there, Buzzard's Roost has set up shop on Main Street. A new Riff setting up shop on Main Street. Bardstown Bourbon Company setting up shop on Main Street. Old Forester is right on Main Street. Uh, Evan Williams has their distillery experience right on Main Street. Um, Angels Envy right on Main Street. Peerless right on Main Street. So there's a lot of, they're not fully functioning max capacity distilleries, um, but you can kind of get a sense of that. Uh, the food on Main Street, unbelievable. You know, I posted our last night there. We were at a restaurant called Proof in Maine, uh, which I'll, I'll talk about again when I get to talking about Limestone Branch Distillery. But it was one of those places that I had to go back to. Uh, it's just, it's high end. It's a little bougie. The food is top notch. Um and it was great to have kind of all of us sitting around eating dinner. That was how we was the last dinner we had while we were down there. Appetizers were great. The whiskey list had to be 20 pages long. Uh, everything you could possibly think of. Great prices on all their pours. And then in the back of the restaurant, there was a whole art gallery. <laughs> it just, You know, and that's just one. I mean, there's 10, 12 other restaurants that are just absolutely fantastic uh and also the first place we had dinner the night we got in which was against the grain which is a brewery it used to be a smokehouse but they've got great sort of barbecue southern themed food um which is also an awesome experience uh because my friend glenn uh and his mom who turns out is a great <laughs> traveling companion for glenn and man i, I would have hung out with glenn's mom all week she was awesome but the six of us having dinner there in Kentucky, just a great sort of communal family feel to the whole thing. That was how we started. So we started with dinner on Main Street. We ended with dinner on Main Street right across the street from Against the Grain. Angel's Envy, which never seems to be open when I'm down there. Right next door to Against the Grain is the Louisville Slugger Baseball Park. Uh, the sidewalk has all these little home plates in it. It's kind of like the Hollywood Walk of Fame, but this is the Major League Baseball Walk of Fame. So, so much cool stuff just to do in downtown Louisville, right on Main Street. Uh, I wish we had two more days just to walk up and down Main Street and take all of that in. Um, 
and our hotel was close enough where we could just take a 10 minute Uber ride into downtown. And that way they, you don't have to worry about drinking or, you know, getting lost after you're drinking. Uh, one of the other things on main street, if you end up in Louisville, uh, Stevie Ray's blues bar, this is another place that I had been to, uh, the last time I was there and it's just, it's a big giant dingy dark blues bar i knew it's where i wanted to go um you guys know i'm a huge music nut of all all styles of music uh my girlfriend's a big music nut my girlfriend's dad is actually a musician uh who plays blues and jazz so this was kind of the perfect i mean it's called stevie ray's after stevie ray vaughn uh and <laughs> the other half of my vacation is going to be going up to hampton uh, probably later on today uh, to go see Buddy Guy, who's the last of the living, you know, blues legends. So it was just sort of a nice tie-in. This is where we wrapped up our trip at Stevie Ray's, and you know, I had a, a PBR and uh, a glass of Michter's, and we just watched some local blues musicians, kind of on an open mic jam night, just go up and tear the house down. People you've never heard of are just locals who live in Louisville and what a great way to kind of end it. So again, just so much stuff to do on main street in Louisville. So if you're planning on going down to visit the distilleries and you think like it's a good idea to go stay in Bardstown while you'll be closer to the distilleries, you'll miss out on kind of the other half of what it's like to be down there. So again, I highly recommend just stay in Louisville drive out to the distilleries during the day because most of them aren't really open at night anyways. Get back to your hotel, Uber into downtown Louisville. There's just so much awesome nightlife going on and so much great day life going on down there in Louisville. All right. So like I said, I spent about 570, we'll call it 600, on a whole bunch of bourbon. Some stuff we may have heard of. Uh, some stuff that I was really excited to see. Um, Maker's Mark Wood Finish, which we haven't seen here in Massachusetts in, I don't know, since the first year of the pandemic, uh, since the FAE 01. We never get to see 02 of that. Um, and then the, the BRT, which was last year's release, we didn't see one or two of that. I did get to try the BRT 01 at Proof in Maine the last night I was there. Uh, I posted that picture on on the gram. Um, by the way, I did so much social media this week um, that I promised myself and my girlfriend that I will not do any social media next week. I feel like I spent so much time on Instagram and Facebook and, and doing all that stuff. Uh, I just want to put my phone down once this week is over. So you know, when this podcast comes out, which will be, you know, Monday when you guys get it next Monday while I'm recording here. Um, yeah. When this podcast comes out, don't expect many pictures in, in you know, on Instagram for that week. I just kind of need to take a little break from having my phone kind of handcuffed to me. But while I was down there, you know, like I said, some of the stuff I get to try, Maker's Mark, the wood finish, uh, the BEP barrel entry proof. I got to try at Maker's Mark, was absolutely blown away. Got to actually pick up a bottle of that at Maker's Mark. It's sitting 
outside the studio on my dining room table, unopened, waiting for Corey to come and join me. Uh, what was the other ones I get to taste? And you guys will get to hear reviews of this uh, as I taste through them and, and Corey and I taste through them. Um, <sighs> Coppering Kings. Uh, we tasted some amazing stuff at Coppering Kings. And again, something that I'll never see up here, but they did a specialty release of their apple brandy that was finished in sherry barrels. Oh, man. Un unreal. Um, those, I think, are the only two that I actually get to taste. And then what I was looking for were things that... You know, I'm, I wasn't looking for Blanton's or Eagle Rare or any of that stuff, which is amazing that you can't even find that down there. You know, I was in a Total Wine in Louisville, Kentucky, and I heard the guy who works there going like, yeah, uh, we don't get that often. And if we do, like, this is where you can find it. But we get it about once a month. So. All you people who are coming into my store thinking that you should be able to find Eagle Rare in my store in West Boylston, Massachusetts, I promise you I was in a Total Wine in Louisville, Kentucky, and they didn't have any Eagle, they didn't have any Blantons, they didn't have any Weller, I didn't see any Buffalo Trace on the shelf. Um, I did see some interesting like Buffalo Trace White Dog bottlings, which I picked up a few years ago myself. But yeah, none of the cliche stuff was there. All right, frenetic. I do got to get this out of the way because it's in my head. You know, we started in Providence. We stayed overnight in Providence, shuttled over to the airport uh, to fly down to Louisville on Sunday. And while we were in Providence, we were looking for a place to, to eat. Um, I found this great Mexican restaurant uh, that had some unbelievable food. Uh, I posted that up on Instagram and Facebook. Then we get on the plane Sunday morning, 6.30 in the morning. I sit down in my seat, and directly on the seat in front of me, there's that little video screen uh, that I usually like to put it on the flight tracker, kind of see our progress as we're going through the air. Or you can watch movies or do whatever. And there's little advertisements. And I look up, and as the screen turns on, the first advertisement is for a product called Tip Top. It is an RTD. The brand is Tip Top. And it's a picture of the fucking Tip Top espresso martini that they sell on the flight. And I just, I looked at my girlfriend. I said, are you fucking kidding me? And she says, what? And I said, this is what I rant about on the podcast every week is RTDs. And my latest rants of Everybody putting out an espresso martini, and the first thing I see on my way to the heart of bourbon country is an advertisement for a new brand of espresso martini RTDs uh, that comes in a 200 milliliter can. Now, the resolution to that on the back end is on our way back. Um, when I was at Maker's Mark and I bought my wood finish series and the, the bag they put uh, the bottles in because I had bought a bottle for myself and a bottle for Peter because Peter wasn't down at the gift shop. It was back up at the tasting room. So I just grabbed us both bottles. They gave me a big um, sort of burlap kind of bag that has the Maker's Mark logo on it. And I put that in my carry-on because when you get to the airport, uh, there's a liquor store in the airport. So we bought a few bottles of bourbon there. Um and we used the maker's mark bag to kind of carry them around. So when she got on the plane, 
she had the maker's mark bag because she was carrying it and the the flight attendant noticed it uh chatted her up actually this is when we got on the plane because our flight left louisville we had a layover in atlanta georgia which i know sounds strange before we came back to providence but in atlanta uh the flight attendant saw her bag started chit-chatting with my girlfriend about bourbon and how she likes makers and old fashions and during the course of the flight, she came by and snuck my girlfriend these two cans of Tip Top um, because they had bonded over bourbon. And we were sitting in different spots, so I don't even know if she knew we were together. Um, but she gave her two cans of Tip Top Old Fashioned um, Tip Top and just said, here, take these home and try them. And that's so kind of a fun story is it started with me losing my mind over um, espresso martini tip top RTDs and ended on sort of a really pleasant, fun, friendly note of, you know, the flight attendant giving us two free cans of old fashioned. All right, man, I've done a lot of talking. haven't done any tasting yet. All right. So the first bottle that I'm cracking, this is actually the second bottle that I've cracked since I got home. Um, the first one was a distillery called Detling, uh, which I'm going to taste with Corey, so I'll save my thoughts on it. But it was a bottle I actually picked up in the Louisville airport. Uh, Detling, they're out of Alabama. It was the first bottled and bond product available out of Alabama. It's a six-grain, single-barrel bourbon. I'll leave it at that. Um, it's funny, I, I go to to Louisville to hunt bourbon and to visit places. And I end up leaving with a uh, bourbon from Alabama. Couldn't be any more fitting. And again, like the bourbons I was looking for were the things that I had maybe read about, uh, but we can't get in mass. Uh, maybe some interesting things that I had never seen before or didn't think I would see, but I didn't want to spend a ton of money either. I kept most of my purchases $50 and under, there were plenty of 75, 80, 90, you know, $100, $150 bottles. Hidden Barn was available down there. I passed on it. Uh, some other brands that were available that I passed on because I just wanted interesting things um, and affordable things. Because again, I wanted to bring back as much stuff as I could because I want to taste it with all of my friends. Um, which is why Corey is coming over to record a podcast with me. This bottle was one that intrigued me. Um, this is called Barman 1873. And this is a project from the Coors Whiskey Company. Coors, yeah, the same people who make beer now are in the whiskey game. And at first I thought like, man, this seems kitschy. And they actually released a, a whiskey called Five Trails, which is a blended whiskey, which I, I know a lot of the, the bourbon people kind of chirp about. Oh, it's just blended whiskey. Who cares? I mean, it could be a blend of bourbon and, and rye and wheat whiskey and whatever. It's blending gives you more complexity sometimes. Um, this one is their second entry into the whiskey company. Barman 1873 Bourbon. I was intrigued. I think I paid 42 for it. Um, so nothing too crazy. Nothing I'm ever going to see up in Massachusetts, at least in, in this sort of incarnation. And kind of the story, as I did a little quick research, is 
David Coors, who is, I think, the fifth generation of the Coors family. You know, I actually heard this story a couple of times while I was down in Kentucky. Um, and I'll, uh, I heard it at Maker's Mark, too, of like the lineage of Makers and, you know, Rob Samuels kind of being the, the, the latest person in charge of Makers. But how his dad created Makers 46 because his dad had created Makers Mark. And, you know, Rob's dad wanted to do something to kind of make his own legacy in the Maker's Mark world. And so that's where Makers 46 came from. And now Rob wanted to do something to kind of solidify his legacy in the Maker's Mark world. And that's where the private selection um, comes into play. We'll talk more about that when we get to Maker's Mark. So David Coors wanted to get into the whiskey business as a fifth generation member of the Coors family. And basically brought it up to his dad. Pete Coors and said, hey, I want to get into the whiskey business. And Pete shot it down, as a lot of old-time dads do. Um, and basically told David, we do one thing, we do it good, we make beer. Times have changed. David Coors, now kind of in charge, has created the whiskey, the Coors Whiskey Company. So it's a division in the Coors banner. Uh, this is only available in 13 states. Again, I think I paid about 42 bucks for it. Uh, it's got no age statement on it, so it's got to be at least four years. Uh, blended and bottled by Coors Whiskey Company in Bardstown, Kentucky. Uh, proofed down with Kentucky water. That's their kind of mantra. The juice, as far as we can tell, uh, it's a blend of bourbon from Bardstown Bourbon Company. Uh, which I didn't get to go to because they're not open on Monday and Tuesday. Um, and bourbon from Southern Indiana, which we're assuming is MGP juice, uh, blended together. Again, no age statement, so probably at least four years. 92 proof, uh, which was encouraging to me because sometimes these projects, you know, you'll see them at 80 proof, 86 proof. 92 proof, perfect proof point to me. And I'm drinking it out of one of my fancy new glasses. So much swag um, while we were down there. I was happy because, again, bringing, you know, my girlfriend and my friend Peter and his wife. And, you know, when we were at Luxco and we were at Limestone, like they gave us free merchandise. You know, we got free shirts and free hats, um, discounts in the bottle shops. So all that was, was awesome. Uh, and, you know, when we did the tastings, to do the barrel picks, uh, we get to keep the glasses. So I came home with four new Glen Cairn glasses, uh, a couple of old fashioned glasses and a couple of rocks glasses. This is my Lux row, um, old fashioned glass, which I absolutely love. Not just prisoner of the moment, but this glass is pretty awesome. All right. Barman 1873. Here we go. You know what? I like this. It's really nice. It's soft. It's sweet. I'm going to say your mash bill is probably going to be, it's a low, low rye. Um, soft, sweet, caramel, vanilla, butterscotch, toasted coconut. Not, it's not the, the bourbon that's going to, you know, blow the hat off your head 
but it's really, really good. It's really, really well made, high quality, accessible. I think this is a bourbon for, you know, people. It, it kind of reminds me of Rebel 100 in the sense of it's really good. It's easy to drink. People who know and appreciate really, really good bourbon can enjoy this. And people who want to get into bourbon or maybe bourbon is not their everyday jam, this is also accessible to them. Uh, 92 proof. I don't get any heat off of it. Great lingering finish. I love the bottle. It's got like the Coors Family Crest barman right across the top. I don't know what that means. I'm not sure the significance of 1873. It could be uh, like Coors Family related. There is nothing wrong with this. 42 bucks for, you know, kind of sourced whiskey, secondary. Um, yeah, I think the pricing is dead on. Yeah, there is nothing of all the bottles that it brought back. Is this going to be the best? No. Um, but am I happy with this purchase? Absolutely. Uh, I can't wait to share this. You know, there's there's definitely some people out there, um, you guys who listen. Uh, I'm going to get you samples of a lot of this stuff. Uh, I'm going to spend a lot of time filling up little 50 milliliter vials. Um, but I'll be proud to share this out. This is a really, really good whiskey um, that I'm proud to share with friends. Uh, and if I could get this in my store, I would be happy to carry this. Um, is it good? Yes. Is it worth the money? At 42 bucks, it is worth every single penny. Does the bottle start a conversation? Yeah, I mean, you guys can go and look at some of the pictures on Instagram. Uh, maybe I'll post a closer up picture of this. But it's just a really solid, one of those kind of straight up and down bottles, kind of like, like the Penelope bottle or the Copper and Kings bottle. It's just got a little bit more weight to it, really thick base. Yeah, this is everything I wanted it to be. Um, flavorful, complex, yet simple and easy and accessible to drink as well for a really good price. First bottle review down, and I couldn't be happier with that one. So, all right. Hopefully, hopefully you guys kind of enjoy what is about to follow. Uh, will be reviews of a whole bunch of whiskeys that I brought back um, and getting to share them with my friend Corey, uh, which really, really is what this is about. It, it, it's about finding new stuff, getting excited about it, sharing it with friends and the conversations you have over that. Um, even if the whiskeys aren't great, you're still going to have conversations with people and you know, the, the human connections are far more important than the liquid uh, you're putting in your mouth. So yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy what is about to happen. Uh, as of the time that I'm recording this, it hasn't happened yet. So who knows? Um, we'll see how it goes. And big, big thanks uh, again to my friend Peter and his wife for just kind of enhancing and enriching this trip and making it even better. Uh, big thank you to my girlfriend who played a big part in making this trip amazing, uh, right down to the fact that she drove us all around Kentucky uh, when we did the barrel picks because 
the distilleries wouldn't let us leave uh, without having a designated driver. Um, and that allowed me to taste more and sample more. Um, and yeah, we'll talk about it in the future of, uh, some of the, one of the bottle that was maybe the most disappointing, unfortunately, uh, yeah, I'll just say it right now. Uh, Luxro double barrel, 12 year. It was a bottle I was looking forward to tasting while I was down there and looking forward to hopefully bringing home. Uh, it turned out to be maybe the most lackluster thing that I tasted while I was down there. It was a little disappointing. Uh, glad I got to taste it. It was fun and it it provided Peter and I some great sort of conversation to talk about it. Um, and my friend Glenn had reached out and was like, hey, uh, if you can get me a bottle, I would love you know to have one of those in my collection. And I had to shoot him a text and be like, I just saved you a whole ton of money, buddy, because it's not it's not great. It wasn't worth what they were charging for it at the distillery. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of this episode, as I'm sure I am about to as well. And uh, yeah, cheers. All right, I am back um, and I'm back from Louisville. Spirits Guide, Season 3, Episode 22. If this sounds a little different, it's because I'm recording it a little different. And you guys know, unscripted, unedited, unfiltered, and for the next hour, uninterrupted. I just want to rant and ramble. So for the next hour, I'm going to be reviewing my trip to Louisville, talking about just how amazing it was, and popping some of the bottles that I bought down there. And, you know, I brought back probably a dozen bottles from this Louisville trip and two of them were gifts so those have been given out and then I had to break down the rest basically into two categories bottles from places that I visited and bottles from places that I didn't visit and the bottles from the place that I visited um, I did that with Corey uh, you'll probably hear that next week or maybe you heard it last week, depending on how I release these episodes. I don't know. I just, I got back from Kentucky and was so excited and just wanted to get this all out and recorded. Uh, so it may be you have already heard me drinking from the places I visited with Corey. Um, or you might have to wait until next week. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But what I have in front of me are the bottles from places that I didn't go to. And these were all purchased at a total wine. Um, and before I even get into kind of talking about how amazing Louisville was and, and not even Louisville, well, I'll, I'll get into that. I really want to start out by thanking the people who made this trip just as amazing as it was. Uh, first and foremost, uh, my girlfriend who was just a perfect travel companion. Um, we actually started the journey by staying in Providence the night before our flight to Louisville. Uh, I usually utilize this program called Park Sleep Fly. We stay in a hotel by the airport in Providence. It's actually Warwick, I know, but for most of us know it as Providence. Um, and you stay there the night before, and then they shuttle you from the hotel over to the airport in the morning and you leave your car at the hotel for free for however long you go. I have just found this to be incredibly convenient 
for me, um, especially in a situation like this where our flight was at 6.30 in the morning. So rather than getting up at 3.30 and driving an hour while half awake, I could be five minutes away from the airport. Uh, our flight was at 6.30. I think we got up at 5. We cut the 5.15 shuttle. All you have to do is walk down the stairs, catch the shuttle over to the airport, uh, and go. That being said, the shuttle was 15 minutes late, threw off our timing a little bit, almost missed our flight out. You know, and then from Providence, we flew to Atlanta and then Atlanta over to Georgia. Um, it, it, she was just amazing the whole time. Again, great traveling companion, great company. Uh, and then when we were down in Kentucky and, you know, we couldn't do barrel picks at Limestone or Lux Row without having a designated driver, uh, she stepped up and drove us around Kentucky uh, in a place that none of us was familiar with. And she managed to get us around safely. Uh, so first set of thanks to her. Uh, the next set of thanks to my great friend Peter and his wonderful wife, Anita, um, who joined us on this journey. Uh, right down to the point of we flew into Louisville and we landed about noontime. We had appointment set up at Stitzel Weller at 2.30, but check-in wasn't until 3. Um and Peter and his wife actually flew down the day before I got there. So they already had a room. They were staying in the same hotel as us. So we were able to go up to their room, hang out for a little bit because we couldn't get checked into the hotel because they were so packed. Uh, we could change. And then Peter drove the first two days. Um, so, you know, not only were they, you know, great in driving, but just great travel companions, uh, excellent conversation. And really, it exemplified what all of this is truly about to me, which is one, bringing people together, and two, that bourbon shouldn't be something that you collect and hide away in your house. It should be something used to bring people closer together, and our sharing of these experiences and the, the incredible things that we tasted, you know, Peter and I have been friends for a few years now. Um, but this kind of solidifies that we are now kind of lifelong friends. Another big thank you goes to my friend Glenn and his mother, who is a snowbird and goes down to Florida and Glenn will go down and pick her up and drive her back up to mass. And he kind of cut West, ended up meeting us in Louisville, uh, on the Sunday night that we get in, we all get to have dinner together at against the grain you know, and, you know, at a certain point in the, the trip down there, my girlfriend had said to me, like, you know, what is your favorite part? And even looking back, like, one of my favorite parts was that first night we were there. Uh, and even though Glenn didn't get to go on the Stitzel Weller tour with us, the fact that we were all together in Kentucky having dinner together, you know, just, again, people who three, four years ago didn't know each other. And now these six people who were strangers four years ago were now all sitting together in a restaurant in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, having dinner, sharing drinks, having great conversation was just maybe the highlight. And then the next morning, we all get together for breakfast at a very cool restaurant called Wild Eggs. Had an amazing breakfast there. 
Uh, and that was just, again, awesome. The fact that bourbon kind of brought us all together to have these great conversations. And the conversations we were having really didn't have anything to do with whiskey. Just good people having good conversations. And it was pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, so thank you to all those guys. Thank you to my reps who helped set up all these visits, you know, and the tour guides and everybody else who made it incredible. But the people in my circle uh, that made this trip amazing for me, uh, a big, big thank you there. All right. Too much talking, not enough drinking. Bottle number one. Again, we didn't go to these places, and I haven't had any of these, so I'm excited to dig in and share my thoughts and reviews with you guys right here in real time. First bottle that I'm cracking, um, Old Bardstown Bottled in Bond Bourbon. Say that really fast. Old Bardstown Bottled in Bond Bourbon. Lots of bees in there. Um, Old Bardstown is a brand that is produced at Willet, also known as KBD Kentucky Bourbon Distillers. Uh, what do we get here for sort of stats? Mashville, 72 corn, 13 rye, 15 barley, bottled in bond, so we know that it's 100 proof. We know that it's four years made by one distiller, one distilling season. And I actually have all my receipts here in front of me. This was $22.99 at the total wine that we went to down in Florida. You know, I basically bought bottles at total. I bought some in the airport and everything else I bought at the distilleries that we visited. That was it. And, you know, you guys have heard me kind of rant and ramble about total in the past. But when you go to another state, they just have things that are only available in that state. And some of the offerings they had were just mind-blowing to see, let alone the old granddad, the old granddad bottled and bond, the old granddad 114. They had a whole shelf of it. Uh, they had a whole bunch of old overhaul 114 things that I hadn't seen either in years or ever. Um, they had an abundance of. Now, you still have to know how to navigate the shelves down there and stay away from Spirits Direct because it's usually their stuff and pay attention to where it's distilled from. But these brands that I'm about to taste, I knew that they were brands before I got there. Uh, and there were things that I was just, again, I wasn't looking for Pappy, Eagle, Blanton's, any of that stuff. I was just looking for interesting, different stuff. So Old Bardstown, Bottled and Bond, $7.50. I paid $22.99. On the nose, yeah, it smells like bourbon. It's got some citrus to it. Like orange cream. All right, here we go. Soft, delicious, sweet. Again, good citrus component there. Some stone fruit. For $22.99, I mean, this is everything I want out of a bottled and bond bourbon. Uh... I've seen reviews that refer to it as a value bourbon. I'll take that. I'm perfectly fine with that. And it is. It's a great value. If this was available up here in Massachusetts, I would be buying this all the time for 23 bucks. And not for nothing, I like it a whole lot better than the Willet Pot Still and that funky 
stupid <laughs> still shaped bottle. Uh, I like the whiskey, but man, I wish they would put that bottle out as a one-off every now and then and not as an every day release. All right. Bottle number two. Where is my knife? I just had it here. All right. Gonna peel some, uh, some cellophane off here. Some of the, the caps around the neck, because I promise you, I am opening these for the first time. And this one, this one I was excited. You know, I, I went to Total Wine twice while I was down there because there's a couple things that happened. One, you know, you get there and I know exactly how much sort of weight I can get into my luggage and I know exactly how many bottles that entails. By the way, again, big thank you to my friend Glenn who met us down there on the first day, had breakfast with us the second day and volunteered to take the bottles that we had purchased that first day we were there, myself and Peter, threw them in his car and muled them back to Massachusetts for us, um, which was a great help because it allowed me to have more room in my luggage to buy more bottles. Um, and this is one of the ones that I looked at the first time that I went to Total, and then I finally, when I went back to Total, I just had to grab it. This is, actually, no. I bought this one in the airport, as a matter of fact. So I probably paid a little bit more for it than I should have. Let's see if I got my... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I paid 53 for this one in the Louisville airport. And again, if you're wondering, like, should I go to Louisville? Absolutely. Um, the people are nice. The distilleries were amazing. The tours were all phenomenal. The food, I mean, everywhere we went, whether it was a Waffle House or Wild Eggs or some diner out at a crossroads in the middle of nowhere, right up to Proof on Main, the food was all great for wherever it was that we were at. Proof on Main, I mean, some of the best food I've ever had, the most complete list of whiskey. I mean, I think Peter put it up on his Facebook of like, if there is a whiskey you can think of, you can try it at Proof on Main. Um, and then on the way to the bathroom, you actually have to walk through an art gallery. You know, there's just so much cool stuff there in, in Louisville and in Kentucky in general. And one of the things is there's a liquor store in the airport. And I know we've heard of, you know, travel retail only, duty free, things you need to be traveling abroad for. Louisville Airport is the only airport I have seen where once you get through security, there is a full-on bourbon store there, and that's where I bought this one. Uh, Jim Beam Single Barrel Bourbon. I'm a huge fan of Jim Beam. I think great. I think it's great for the money. Uh, this is un 108 unfiltered. Um, you know, it's a single barrel, higher proof version of Jim Beam. Mash bill being 75 corn, 13 rye, 12 barley. And again, I paid 53, probably 8 to $10 more than I should have. But I haven't seen Jim Beam single barrel out in the wild in years, at least up here in Mass. Man. And some of these noses are going to be muted as I'm tasting these with you guys. Um, just because when you get it into higher proof, they've been capped. I haven't let any of these breathe. I'm literally popping these as we go. Mm. 
Mm. Wow. That's like Jim Beam Black on steroids. It's dark. Like chocolate notes and caramel notes. Nutty. It's like a Snickers bar almost. 108 proof. And I don't taste a point of proof on that. That is fantastic. Um, you know, when Glenn actually came by my house the day we got back and dropped off the bottles that he had muled for me. And he saw this one and he's like, ah, oh, that's one of the ones I was looking at. And it just let me know that my friends are the coolest people. Um, because again, we weren't hunting anything special. We were all excited over Jim Beam single barrel. Uh, I know Glenn has bought a bottle of old Bard Sound bottled in bond in the past. Uh, Peter was excited over Heaven Hill bottled in bond. You know, we just bought things that we haven't seen before and things that were interesting to us. Um, and those are the things that we find special. So, again, I'm, you know, I'll go more on the step-by-step -step when I, I taste with Corey. And then, you know, this is this week's episode, next week, Corey's episode. And then I'll do one more episode after that where I kind of wrap up and, you know, fill in some of the finer, tighter details. Oh, 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 let's try that again. Mm, it's kind of a weak cork pop, but I was very excited to see this one. Um, and again, when I get there, I wasn't sure what I was going to find. You know, we get there that first day, and, and like I said, I couldn't check into the hotel because the hotel was booked. So we went to Stitzel Weller. We did the tour there. Um absolutely fantastic the content of the tour the location the the space itself was amazing some of the content a little iffy um some of their gift shop pricing really iffy uh but i blame that more on diageo and sort of corporate um than anything else we got back to the hotel uh peter's wife and my girlfriend actually went and took a nap well, Peter and I drove over to Total Wine uh, and did a little bit of shopping. And this is one that we bought there because I was excited to see it. I know this is kind of brand new to the marketplace. And this is Green River Kentucky Straight Bourbon, um, which is being produced at Bardstown Bourbon Company. Uh, so I was very excited to see this. Uh, I paid 34 bucks for this. For juice from Bardstown Bourbon Company. Uh, I don't see any age on it. So I'm going to assume it's four years. It's bottled at 90 proof. The bottle is pretty awesome. Uh, definitely unique. Very, very cool. Mash bill, 70 corn, 21 rye, 9 barley. And what was cool is we, we both bought this bottle. Went back to the hotel. And we were kind of joking of like, We've got all these bottles. We can't open them right now because, you know, we weren't going to take open bottles on the plane and, and kind of stow those away in our luggage. And I certainly wasn't going to put open bottles of booze in Glenn's car and have him drive him with open container. So we had these bottles and then we were just sort of itching to open them. And then later on that night, we end up at Against the Grain Brewery, all six of us together having dinner. And this was one of the whiskeys that was on their whiskey list. And I get to try it. So I already kind of knew that I was happy with the purchase. But then from there, I tried so much whiskey afterwards that it's kind of good to revisit. 
Again, 90 proof, Bardstown Bourbon Company juice, Green River. Here we go. Mm. Again, that is, it's everything that I would want out of a $34 bottle of bourbon at 90 proof. No heat, dark, like toasted coconut. Uh, whereas the other one was like a Snickers bar. This is almost like a Mounds bar, like nutty, coconut, chocolatey. It's deep and dark and rich. And the finish, it's lingering in the back of my palate uh, with a ton of chocolate. Wow. That is, wow. That is fantastic. So, we, like I said, we get down there. We go to Stitzel Weller. We go back to the hotel. We go to Total Wine. Come back. I finally get to check into the hotel. We go out. We have dinner at Against the Grain. And I've been to Against the Grain the last two times I was in Kentucky. And it was a barbecue smokehouse. And I absolutely loved it. And I kind of recommended it and told everybody, like, hey, guys, this is where we're going. And we went there only to find out that it wasn't really a barbecue place anymore. Uh, they do some barbecue-themed foods, uh, but they don't have the smokehouse. There was no brisket. There was no smoked turkey, uh, which at first I was a little disappointed. And then I realized, like, the people that we were with was far more important than the food we were eating. That being said, everything that we ate, uh, pork belly on a stick, which is basically like giant bacon lollipops. Uh, we had some Brussels sprouts that were amazing. Um, fried pickles. Uh, the burgers. Everything was fantastic. And if you go down there and you guys find Angel's Envy... I've talked about this before because Angel's Envy just never seems to be open whenever I am there. Right across the street is Against the Grain Brewery. And they are a brewery. They still make their own beer. Uh, we had some beers there as well that were absolutely fantastic. And then, you know, from there, you know, I wanted to make sure that this trip wasn't one note, just bourbon, 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 bourbon. Um, because I've been there before. And, you know, this to me, for me personally, was my kind of rounding out of, I've been to Buffalo Trace. I've been to Wild Turkey. I've been to Four Roses. I've been to Woodford. I've been to Heaven Hill. I've been to Jim Beam. I feel like I had been to all the big distilleries except for Makers and then kind of Stitzel Weller as well. So, you know, I, I've been to a lot of these and I mentioned it before of like the tours, especially the general tours. I mean, some of the tours that we did down there were reps who, you know, helped me out by just putting me on a tour. The Sitzelwella tour was, it had nothing, it, I got on the tour because I'm in the business, but the tour was the same tour that everybody gets. Um, so if any of you just went down to Sitzelwella, booked a tour, and by the way, if you're going to do that, 
do it at least a month in advance because you typically can't just walk in and get on a tour. Um, but some of the tours that I was put on were just sort of basic tours that ended up getting paid for uh, by my sales reps and brand reps that I deal with at the store. And then some of the tours that we got on were very specific kind of VIP industry driven uh, tours. And like I said, Stitzel Weller was, you know, kind of just a generic tour, uh, but the makers in the Lux Row and the Limestone were kind of VIP driven. The point being is that the tour at Jim Beam is very similar to the tour at Heaven Hill and the tour at Wild Turkey and the tour at Buffalo Trace. Um, we get the sort of standard, this is what bourbon is, has to be aged in new charred American oak, has to be 51% corn. Uh, bourbon is America's native spirit, and while bourbon doesn't have to be made in Kentucky, we here in Kentucky feel like we make the best bourbon in the U.S. Um, you get a lot of that. Uh, you know, they take you around and they show you the still. This is where we make the whiskey. They show you the fermentation tanks, and this is where the whiskey ferments and they show you where it gets barreled and after a while it can get a little redundant it's cool every time but there's only so many times you can see a fermentation tank you know with sort of the the brewer's beer in there um you know the yeast has been pitched they you know you see the bubbling at the top which is the yeast eating the sugars from the starch, um, and then the bubbles rise up, what they call alcohol farts. Uh, there's, you, there's only so many fermentation tanks you can see. And other than to see it at scale, um, you know, the first fermentation tanks I ever saw were at Buffalo Trace, and those things held 60,000 gallons of brewer's beer or, you know, whatever it's called at that point, fermenting. And then we went to like Maker's Mark and their fermentation tanks were 12,000 gallons. And then we saw the ones at Limestone and they were like 8,000 gallons. So it was interesting to me to see them on scale, but they are still the same tanks no matter what. Um, you know, the stills, they're different sizes. So you get to see, you know, a bigger distillery has a massive um, still the smaller craft distilleries have smaller stills, but in the end, they're all still sort of stills. Uh, the way a barrel gets filled might be a slightly different technique, uh, at each distillery, but after a while you've seen enough barrels to get filled to, you know, it just sort of becomes the same thing. So I didn't want the people I was there with, I mean, you know, my girlfriend, Peter and his wife um, to be bored. And I didn't want myself to be bored. I wanted myself to kind of stay interested. So, you know, the tours that we had set up, Stitzel Weller, while being a great tour, is a tour that you will get at every other distillery. You know, the next distillery we went to, Copper and Kings, well, they make American brandy and they make gin and they make absinthe and they make something they call destillers. So you have a whole different perspective on distilling with whiskey you're making beer and then distilling that with brandy you're making 
wine and they make apple brandy. So they're making, or they're not making, but you know, they're getting wine and they're getting cider and then redistilling that. So there was some different sort of distilling things. Maker's Mark was a VIP tour, a little bit more behind the scenes. Uh, Limestone and Luxrow, well, those were barrel picks at the end of that tour. So that made those unique. So even though we hit five different distilleries in three days, and the magnitude of that, I still don't think I've gotten over the fact that we were in five different distilleries in three days. But each one of those tours was a little bit different and provided a unique experience. But I also wanted to do some other stuff while we were there. Um, very much the food scene. Uh, very much doing something about as touristy as touristy gets by going to the Seelbach Hotel and getting a Seelbach cocktail. And one of the first things that we did that was not bourbon related was that first night we got into to Louisville, you know, like I said, we got in at 1230. We went to Stitzelweller. We went back. We went to Total, came back, went to dinner. And from dinner, we went to the Louisville Zoo. And, you know, I had found, again, I, I'm no genius. I just know how to use Google uh, and find this stuff out. And I was looking for other things to do in Louisville. Uh and again, I think Peter and I probably just could have drank bourbon every second of every day we were there because that's who we are and what we enjoy. Um, but Peter's wife is not a, a straight bourbon drinker, uh, not that she doesn't enjoy her cocktails and wasn't, you know, game for trying some of the things that we tasted. It's just not her her jam, which is, you know, perfectly fine. And my girlfriend who, you know, we've talked about, doesn't always drink. Um, certainly enjoyed tasting some things while we were down there. Uh, but I wanted to have things, you know, that kind of kept everybody interested in everything uh, while we were there. And I had found that the Louisville Zoo does this sort of at-night light show where they illuminate the whole zoo with these kind of inflatable animals. And there was a whole sort of buddhist vibe to the whole thing where you just sort of walk through the zoo so you know <laughs> again one last time i left providence rhode island at 6 30 in the morning at eight o'clock that night after going to Stitzel weller having a big dinner we then arrive at the louisville zoo and we spent the next two hours after that walking through the zoo just you know and again it was just very cool you know, the six of us being from Massachusetts and, you know, Peter having flown down the day before, my girlfriend and I having flown down the day of, Glenn and his mom driving in the day of, all to come together. And then we were at the end of the night just kind of walking through this zoo, um, taking in the sights. And it was awesome, you know, and as it got dark, uh, visually, it was stunning. And just a, a lot of fun. And we ended up there for two hours. And quite honestly, after a while, I think we were all a bit tired. It had been a long day for all of us, whether driving, flying, or whatever. Um, but we were so far into the dark in the zoo that we couldn't even find our way out of there. Um, but it was just, it was a great, great time. And then, you know, we finally made it back to the room. 
had a, a nightcap drink, and then called it a day, went to bed, got up the next morning, and we were scheduled for a tour at Copper and Kings at 11. Uh, so we found this place called Wild Eggs, uh, which was located about 15 minutes from Copper and Kings. That was probably the latest we slept for the whole time, too. Um, so we went to breakfast for 9.30 in the morning, had an incredible breakfast. I posted picture on Facebook of just an absolutely delicious Bloody Mary, huge breakfast. You want to get your belly full before you start going to distilleries and, and doing some drinking. Big breakfast. Uh, you know, Glenn took our mule pack, drove on about his way back here to Massachusetts. The rest of us drove over to Copper and Kings. And again, just a very cool, laid back tour. Um, and, and just something totally, totally different. And, you know, we get to taste some amazing stuff, one of which you'll kind of get to hear my thoughts and, you know, Corey's thoughts on, which was an apple brandy that Copper and Kings produces, which I've talked about their apple brandy in the past. It is just absolutely delicious. But I happened to notice in the gift shop, they had a version of their apple brandy called Floodwall which was finished in sherry barrels. I knew before we even get to do the tasting that that bottle was going home with me because, as you guys know, I'm a sucker for anything that is sherry finished. Um, we did the tour. We get to see the barrel aging room uh, where they do the sonic aging, so they're playing music really, really loud in the aging room. Uh, get to see a whole bunch of projects that they're working on. And then they took us through a tasting and basically what they did was they let us taste, um, I believe it was four things. And the first one was their brandy. And then you got to pick the other three things you wanted to taste. And they had the brandy. They had the apple brandy. They had the apple brandy in sherry barrels. They had their bourbon, which is a bourbon that they source from MGP. And then they bring back there and they finish. They had one finished in apple brandy barrels and one that was finished in grape brandy barrels. Uh, then they had their destillers, which are kind of cordials, uh, but with no real sugar added, really high alcohol content. They had a chocolate, a coffee, a pomegranate, and an orange curacao. Uh, they had an absinthe and a barrel-aged absinthe and a couple of their different gins. So everybody in the group, get to pick the other three things that they wanted to taste. I tasted the apple brandy with the sherry. It just sort of solidified my position that I was going to be taking that bottle home. Um, and I tried their absinthe. Wow. I mean, for 130 proof, uh, once you diluted it with some ice water, it didn't drink 130. It was rich. It was delicious. Um, but I just know for myself, I don't, you know, I drink a lot of bourbon at home. I talked about this a lot while I was down there. Like, I drink a lot of bourbon when I'm at home. I drink a lot of scotch. I drink some Irish whiskey, you know, drinking it mostly neat. Very rarely do I sit down and have a whole bunch of glasses of rye whiskey. Um, and I certainly don't drink a whole ton of absinthe. And while it was delicious, again, trying to budget how many bottles are going to fit in my luggage uh, I passed on buying a bottle of absinthe 
I kind of regret it a little bit because it was delicious. But I also know that I wasn't going to come home and start, you know, just drinking absinthe on a daily basis. So that was the bottle that I bought there. And again, I'm going to taste that with Corey on the next episode. From there, we wrapped up and had to make it an hour and a half out to Maker's Mark. And I think we left our appointment at Maker's Mark was 2.45. And I kind of thought we would be at Copper and Kings until 1. Turns out we were done by noon. So we actually got to Maker's fairly early. Now, if you're thinking about going down there and going to Maker's, here's the deal. We're driving out and we're thinking like, all right, well, we'll get to Maker's. We'll see where it is. And then we'll go find some place to eat and grab a bite before we go in. You get off the main road to go to Maker's. And it's like you have crossed into another universe. Um, there is nothing. I had no cell phone reception. Uh, you know, I couldn't check in on my phone. I couldn't load any pictures from Maker's. You are literally in the middle of nowhere. And you just drive these twisty, turny roads and these 90-degree angle turns. And eventually, you make it to Maker's Mark. And it really was the perfect blend of old and new, um, sort of modern architecture. Uh, Rob Samuels has a big thing for art. Um, blended with the old of like the original distillery and, and some of the original bottling houses it's just unbelievable and you are out in the middle of nowhere um rob samuels was awesome while i didn't get to see him while i was there um he did send a note down and basically had us set up at the bar where all our drinks were covered by rob samuels so i took that as an opportunity to try uh the maker's mark bep which is the latest and final installment in their wood finishing series. And again, considering that we didn't see any of the wood finishing series in Massachusetts in 2022 and that this was the last one, I was really excited to get to try it. Actually liked it a lot. Made the 20-minute walk down to the gift shop to make sure that Peter and I both got bottles of it before the gift shop closed because our tour wasn't starting till quarter three. The gift shop closes at 4.30 wanted to make sure that we got it. And what was funny is I got back up to the tasting room where, you know, everybody else was, my girlfriend, Peter, and his wife. Uh, and Peter was talking to this kid, I think he was from California, who was telling us that he didn't like the BEP because he thought it was thin and didn't have a lot to it. Uh, but he liked all the Elijah Craig barrel proofs, uh, which just sort of lets me know that he's a, a proof chaser and didn't understand uh, the flavors of this. Uh, this whiskey is amazing. I haven't tasted it since then. Uh, so when I do taste it with Corey, which you guys, again, will get to hear next week, uh, that'll be my first time tasting it since then off a brand new fresh bottle. And that was the only bottle that I bought there. Now, when you go to Makers, you can buy bottles of regular Makers and you can dip them yourself. And while I thought like, hey, that's kind of a cool concept, I also thought, like, that's kind of a dumb concept. Uh, at least for me personally, like, why was I going to pay a lot of money to buy a bottle of Maker's Mark to dip it myself when it's just a regular bottle of Maker's? It's The label wasn't any different. Um, and I was just going to bring it home and either tear through the dip and drink it or never drink it again. 
and just be holding on to a bottle of Maker's Mark. So I opted to pass on that. By the way, <laughs> I'm the guy who brings whiskey to Louisville. Uh, so about a year and a half ago, uh, my girlfriend and I went away on a trip out to Western Mass, and I had bought a bottle of Maker's Mark. It was a pint bottle while I was out there um, for us to have back in the hotel. And we just never ended up opening it. So this was the perfect time. I actually brought that bottle down to Louisville, and that's what we drank in the hotel room at the end of the night uh, after every single day. So that was Makers. You know, we went back. Uh, that Monday night, we all kind of split off, uh, and we each went, you know, Peter and his wife went out for dinner, and then we went out for dinner, went back to the hotel, and, uh, yeah, had some cocktails. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, there we go. There's a sweet little cork pop. Because we had to get up and get ready for kind of the last day that we were going to be there, which was that Tuesday. And that Tuesday, we were slated to do a pick of Yellowstone at Limestone and then do a store pick of Ezra Brooks at Luxro. And our Limestone appointment was at 9.30 a.m., and it's about an hour, hour and a half away. So we basically had to make a decision of where we're going to get up, have breakfast near the hotel, and then drive an hour and a half. Or were we going to drive an hour and a half, find some place to eat, and then be five minutes away from Limestone. So we opted to drive the hour and a half out, have breakfast, and then just be closer to the distillery when we were done. So as everything up until that point, Peter was nice enough to do all the driving, and we leave the hotel, we get about a block down the street, and we all notice that something sounds weird from the back of Peter's rental car, so we kind of take a left, we pull into a parking lot, only to realize that Peter's got a flat tire on his rental car. So, we drove it back a block, put it in the hotel parking lot, switched over to my rental car, and then drove out, got breakfast, at a place called Cedarstone uh, Cafe. I, it was the, the most delightful place. It was a little dark. It was a little dingy. You know, if you could picture a sort of four-corner intersection in the middle of nowhere. There was like a gas station on one corner, fields on the other two corners, in this little tiny cafe that was kind of pretty dimly lit. Um, we kind of joked that there was probably many conversations about UFOs and politics that have happened in that, uh, diner, but you know, the four of us had breakfast and not tiny little breakfast, like full size, you know, stick to your ribs breakfast. I think it cost us about 45 bucks for four of us to have breakfast in this day and age. It was a bargain. And then from there, we took the five-minute drive over to Limestone, which is just a tiny little building on the side of the road. And, you know, Stephen Fontaine was our tour guide, just a guy who stood out. Intense, dramatic, loud, um, incredibly educational. Kind of give us the lowdown on how the Beam family is part of probably 85% of all bourbon at some point in Kentucky. Did a little tour of the distillery. They don't do um, a ton of distillation there. They don't do any bottling there. Um, but just a cool little spot. And then we went and did our barrel pick. 
And, you know, if you guys want, go over to the Wachusett Wine and Spirits Facebook page. And we filmed that whole barrel pick. Was probably the coolest pick that I have ever done. Um, We basically get to choose from three barrels, which is pretty standard. I feel like almost every barrel pick that I've done has been between three barrels. They tend not to give you more than that. Um, But what was different about this is we actually had nine samples. So barrel one, we had it 109 proof, uh, 115 proof, and 119 proof. And we had it for all three barrels at those three proof points. And we get to taste through all nine samples. And I ended up picking sample number two at 109 proof. I am in love with this bottle. Um, It's great to know that this is what it's going to taste like when it gets here. I can't wait to share this with you guys. It is going to be fantastic. Uh, Stephen Fontaine was unbelievable. He set us up with free drinks, free cigars. Uh, They set us up with a free, what they called a wearable item, so T-shirt or hat. Um, I bought, so I got a Bloody Mary in the cocktail bar. Fontaine set us up with cigars too, which we didn't have time to smoke, so I brought them home. But I had a Bloody Mary made with, the Bloody Mary mix that they make on site. And then they had this bacon salt that they salted the rim of the Bloody Mary with. Unreal. Absolutely outrageous flavor. To the point where I bought a tub of the bacon salt to bring home. Uh, grabbed myself a cool t-shirt. And we were on our way over to Luxrow, which is another brand new state-of-the-art facility Um I think there was nine rickhouses on site. Uh, They were great. They catered lunch for us, uh, gave us some great sandwiches. And then we did a tour of the distillery. And even by then, I was like, all right, fermentation tank. Here's the still. Here's the barrel. We went back. We got to taste uh, three more samples there. Picked a barrel of Ezra Brooks uh, bourbon. Uh, cask strength, so it's going to come in at 126. Absolutely love that one. Can't wait for that one to get in and for me to be able to share that with you guys. From there, we went back to the hotel. Uh, we get changed. My girlfriend and I kind of Ubered into downtown Louisville, which was a shit show of a ride because there was construction on the highway. And our Uber driver, um, it's a good thing that the rates were set ahead of time. Uh, it was about $26 to Uber from our hotel in the downtown Louisville. It took us almost 45 minutes to get there as he tried to avoid traffic. And I swear he went south through Louisiana and then came back up into Kentucky. Just seemed to take forever where I wondered, like, are we ever going to get there? But in the end, we did get there. Uh, we got to Proof in Maine. Peter and his wife joined us again. Some of the most amazing cocktails I've ever had. The most amazing whiskey list I've ever seen. The food was unbelievable. Um, None of us could fit another bite of food in. And then from there, we walked 15 minutes, went to the Seelbach Hotel, which is just picturesque and beautiful. And I had been there before, but I was so excited to kind of bring these people with me to show them some of the things that I had seen some of my positive experiences from Kentucky, and it was great to see them enjoy it as well. 
Uh, and then we just became cliche tourists, sat at the bar, ordered, you know, seal box, which were delicious, by the way. Checked out their amazing whiskey selection. And again, guys, if you're thinking about going to Kentucky, there's nothing to think about. Just go. It's fantastic. And like I said, stay in Louisville, drive out to the distilleries, and then spend your nights in downtown Louisville because it is awesome. And every restaurant you go to just has the most amazing collection of bourbons, uh, world whiskeys. Some of them had great rums. Proof on Main had amazing rums. Um, you know, when we went to the Seelbach, you know, they had all the Michters, all the Barrelcrafts, Hardin's Creek, um, Parker's. It just anything you could want that was specialty was on the bar there. From there, and again, you know, our day started really, really early. We started at 7 in the morning heading out. Uh, at 10.30 at night, Peter and his wife tapped out. They went back to the hotel. My girlfriend and I walked another 15, 20 minutes up to a bar called Stevie Ray's where we caught an open mic blues jam that was just the fitting end to our trip. Got back to the room at 1130, uh, finished off our bottle of Maker's Mark. Um, and that was kind of the end of the trip until we got up Wednesday morning and walked three minutes down the road and had breakfast at a Waffle House because no trip to Louisville is complete without going to a Waffle House. All right. Wow. I just kind of went on a ramble there for a little bit. All right, I got one more whiskey here to try before we wrap it up. And this is the Jephthah Creed. Now, this is a distillery that I had been reading about for a long time. Uh, last time I was there, I grabbed a bottle of their regular sort of bourbon. I think at that point it was coming in half bottles. Uh, they're well known for using what's known as bloody butcher corn, which they grow on their own estate. So what I have here, Jephthah Creed... It's their high rye bourbon mash bill bottled in bond. So again, we know that this is four years old, made by one distiller, one distilling season, bottled at 100 proof. I love the bottle, the waves in the glass. Uh, mash bill on this one is 75 corn, 20% malted rye, 5% malted barley. And what did I pay for this one? I bought this one at Total Wine. Because again, Jephthah Creed is kind of a name that I know, and it's a name that I've known for a while. This is 47. Uh, and I have no issues with that whatsoever. 47 bucks, bottled and bond, craft whiskey. Yeah, I'm all in on it. Now, on the nose, it's a little woody. It's almost a little musty, but in a good way. It's very dry in the nose. Like, it doesn't have a, a sweet nose. All right, here we go. Mmm. Mmm. That is fantastic. It's it's like chocolate mint. 
Like there's a ton of cocoa. It was a little nutty. There's a little hint of menthol in there. Yeah. I am excited about this purchase. <laughs> you know, the hard thing is like, I've got these bottles. I'm happy with all of them. And by the way, you know, the thing I was most excited about and, and why I wanted to do the tasting with Corey uh, the way that it got done is that, you know, I want to share this with people. And, you know, there was a lot of people before we went down there who were like, hey, take a lot of pictures, post a lot of pictures. You know, I want to see what's going on. I had some of you even messaging me while I was down there like, hey, I just watched that barrel pick. The next time you do that, I'm in. Let me know. I'm going on that trip with you, which is awesome to me um, and humbling that, you know, I can inspire somebody to want to go do that. Uh, but really, like what excites me is, you know, I got these bottles. I love them. But now I can't wait to share them with all of my friends. Um, and with some of you guys out there who are listening, like you're going to get to taste this stuff because I want to share it with, with everybody so that we know that there's more out there, uh, and just sharing good stuff with good people is what I'm, I'm all about. The downside of that is it's going to make me go through these bottles faster. Uh, and it's probably going to be two more years before I get back down there, uh, to replace these. So I'm going to savor these, um, but I'm also, you know, not going to lock them up and keep them prisoner in the basement. Like, I'm going to pour off some samples, share them with my friends, and then I'm going to enjoy these things appropriately. And then look forward to going down and, and replacing some of these bottles. Oh, man, this is so good. Mm. All right, so there it is. Uh, kind of my first thoughts on my trip back from, from Louisville, it really was amazing. Uh, you know, I'll sprinkle in some more details when I do the tasting with Corey, uh, especially since all those bottles are associated uh, with places that I actually went. And then the following week, I'll wrap it all up with some of the finer details, um, some of the really cool things that we get to experience and see and do. Um, and yeah. Wow, the finish on that is just just awesome. All right, guys. Well, hopefully you enjoyed this, and thank you for sticking around and listening all the way through, um, especially with no sort of break time in the middle. Um, and if you're still here listening, uh, you guys know the drill. Uh, go to the podcast page, click that follow button, give it a five-star rating, share it out on your social media Um Follow along on Facebook and Instagram where I have posted so many pictures of my time down there and there are still another hundred pictures that haven't gotten posted yet. So there'll be more photos of my time down in Louisville. Um, you can also message me through both of those platforms. And for everything else, you guys can reach me at thespiritsguide89 at gmail.com. All right, guys, have a great week. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers.